Welcome back to Thriving in Business and Life. This is Will Wilkinson. And this is Christopher Harding. We are going to jump into, I think, one of our both of our favorite areas, and that is the whole notion of visualization. I can see it now. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we spent uh, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about visioning, and we're going to get into that and get into some more details. Last week, we talked about accurately assessing the current situation, right. and now we get to move back into that favorite spot of actually feeling the results now and and what all of that means. So well, I, when I you think, think of results now, yeah, I was going to say, this is this is kind of one of your special areas, Will. What, what does that mean to you, results now? Well, first of all, I just wanted to comment on the phenomena of combining assessment with vision. Yeah, yeah. It's worth just pausing on that for a moment because quite often they seem mutually exclusive. Yeah, true. You know, either true. you're dreaming, you know, and you've got this big vision, or you're crunching details. You're having a reality check. Yeah. So I think it's unique to combine the two. I think that's a unique feature of the thriving uh, protocol. So I was talking about this with somebody the other day, now that you bring it up, and uh, they they were saying, well, it's kind of like, like vision is optimism and assessment is pessimism. And I, <laughs> and I was like... Well, I don't know that that assessment is pessimism. <laughs> I think we'd say realism. Realism. That's a, yeah. yeah that, I wish I would have thought of that. That's a better description. Yeah, because often we're afraid to look, and we covered that last week. We're afraid of what we'll see if we actually do take a good deep look, and that's very important because if we don't do that, it undermines our confidence in the vision. At, at uh, some yeah, level, yeah. we will know that we're fooling ourselves. Right. Well, that's a great way to put it. So assessment is actually having a conversation, getting the facts out on the table so our subconscious can relax and realize that we're not in denial, that yeah. we're actually, we know what we're dealing with and we have a vision for how to move forward. Right. A convenient way to remember this is that the subconscious wants as accurate a picture as possible. So if we know what we're visioning isn't accurate, our subconscious is going to recognize that. And then it will not be our servant to give us what we're visioning. Because it'll be kind of like, but hey, but 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 wait a minute, you're yeah. not seeing, you're not addressing yeah. this thing over here that that the rest of us, you know, or the rest of my my being, you could say, is is noticing, but my conscious mind is refusing to look at. Well, exactly. And if we think of it in terms of programming, that that helps uh, helps us uh, glimpse what we mean by all this. Programs run. Programs can change. But there's a program involved in our computers, in our brains. So, for instance, if a person says, um, "Well, I'm going to I'm going to make a million dollars this month," right? But if they only made two thousand dollars last month, they're programmed at a certain level financially, and their subconscious knows that. So it's going to say, "Well, say two thousand to one million. It <laughs> doesn't sound realistic to me." <laughs> Right. That's, uh, I think that's uh, the strategy that gets used a lot with playing the lottery, yeah. um, where the chances are a million to one or, or less. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, so looking at results now, um, you know, that we've had our conversation with the subconscious. We've got the details out on the table. How does results now play into it? Well, this has been fascinating for us to really... Um, drill into this to experiment our, ourselves and then also yeah. work with clients to learn that the key here is emotion because we cannot predict what's going to happen with our plan once it's unleashed in the world. There are so many factors beyond our control. So our visions are not probably going to turn out exactly the way we've envisioned them. 
So how do we remain confident and stay focused and move forward? It's by identifying the feeling that goes along with the fulfilled vision and using that as our fulfillment moment by moment. That's what we mean by saying results now. So we're feeling the joy or the completion or the, yeah. the excitement of, of a future success mm-hmm. and we're feeling it now yeah. as if it's already happened. It's kind of that thing of, of, oh good, I get to discover how it was that we got to this feeling. Yeah, yeah we're working on a project and we realistically, through our assessment, have come to understand that there's you know eight years of work here to get to the result we want. Well, instead of being overwhelmed and discouraged by that, we identify what it's going to feel like when we hit that goal. It's going to feel satisfying, we'll feel proud, we'll feel grateful. So we can begin to experience that now, and it motivates us to keep going through those eight years. We can't just feel that and then, you know, drop tools. It it needs to motivate us to take action. (laughs) I guess we better clarify that. (laughs) Can't feel that and then drop tools. That's good. (laughs) It's like a slogan we could put up on our our wall. (laughs) Well, you know, as as, as thinking of long-term projects like that, I can definitely see how, you know, that can be a motivator, a compass, if you will, keep us engaged the other, the other thing I'm thinking about too, and we talked about this a little bit uh, last week, was on shorter term things like maybe it's a shorter project or maybe it's a, a meeting that I have with somebody. By imagining and feeling the result now, I can actually carry that with me into a meeting, for example. Yes. Well, in a way, it's a bit of a replacement strategy because you're installing something fulfilling before the meeting begins. And it, it reduces the anxiety about you know creating that fulfillment in the meeting because you're already experiencing something pretty satisfying. You know, it's, it's, uh, as you say that, it reminds me of something that my wife, Leela, read to me the other day, and I wish I could remember who the author was, but in essence what she said was, worrying is planning for a future you don't want. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and That's a very good good way to put it. Yeah, and so what we're saying here is is you know, this visualization and results now is planning for a future you do want and feeling the excitement and the success of that right now in this present moment as we move into its fulfillment. Well, exactly, and we use the uh, uh, picture of a, a slinky in the book. Right, uh, right. A lot of our listeners will remember the slinky, amazing little creation of wires that you, you ringed wires that you roll down the stairs, and the front would go and the back would catch up. Right, So we right. use that as an example. Lead with the vision. Go into the meeting, go into whatever it is, your project with the vision installed, the feeling of it in you, and then the physical form catches up. I think I've heard you say it like this, that uh, you live in the vision and visit the present moment. Yeah, and you go for a serious visit, but you you don't live there. This shows up a lot with health issues. Uh, We have a tendency with our language to own health problems. We'll say, I have a cold. Well, my understanding is the the Hopi people use mostly verbs in their language. So they wouldn't say, I have a cold. They might say, I am colding. (laughs) You know, just to indicate that it's a temporary condition. We'll claim something. I have cancer. I have multiple sclerosis. I am poor. 
which is connecting a quality or a condition with my identity. Right, right. That's the problem. We want to not do that. We want to connect with what we want and then move forward towards that, plan for it. And again, to, to your earlier point, it isn't that we want to be in denial about things that are present, but we, we want to be able to see them as... Uh, you know, conditions, for example, or situations that we have the ability to influence and change. Exactly, and we've suggested the identity of a detective. Right, when when assessing the current situation. Yeah, yeah. and in strategizing, <laughs> moving towards your goal. The detective wants to solve the case. Right, right. Now, imagine how futile it would be for a detective to set about trying to solve the case by ignoring a lot of the clues. <laughs> I'm going to ignore those clues. I don't like those clues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the best thrillers, you know, the movies yeah, we like yeah. to watch, the books we enjoy reading, are the ones where the hero sees what other people do not see. He glimpses something that they're overlooking and uses that to his or her advantage. Or cleverly, authors will sometimes allow us to see it first, and yeah. then and then they're <laughs> hoping that they see it. Right? I love that. I'm sitting there watching, going, "Look over there." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, so part of this this process of results now is the power of visualization. And in the results now chapter in our book and in the module in our online course, we get into this whole process of visualization. And we actually wrote a blog on this earlier this week. And I had a chance to read and actually watch an interview with Sean White, the gold medalist uh, snowboarder for the U.S. team. Right. And it was really great because I had watched him during the Olympics and they kept calling attention to it, that he's, uh, before his run, he was standing there visualizing himself going through the run. And so they were talking to him about that and he said, yeah, that's a, a big deal for him. And that he, he, gets, he gets, first of all, clear about what he wants to accomplish. You know, he wants to do this amazing run with these certain, you know, steps in it that, that'll help him gain points. But then he said he he imagines himself going through it, you know, each turn, each move. He actually mm-hmm. feels it in his body as if mm-hmm. as if it's happening. He sees yeah. himself doing yeah. it successfully. He said he even he's even clear about what he's wearing, uh-huh. and you know that he'll do this not only right before a run, but you know at different times leading up to an event. And that he also imagines after the fact what it's going to feel like and who's going to be there with him. Yeah celebrating yeah and I thought wow I mean clearly this works for for Sean White and I know it's worked for us when we do it we see it work for others there's something just so fun about this whole process of visualizing well you've nailed it that's exactly right and the key here is the celebration aspect because the celebrating indicates it's done I had a client years ago who wanted to sell their house And so I was guiding her in this process, and she was trying to pick a moment in the future when she'd achieved her goal. And she said, I'm I'm sitting in my dining room, and I'm holding the check in my hand. I sold the house. I said, well, what if the check bounces? (laughs) You want the check to have cleared your account. You're out for dinner with your husband, raising a glass of champagne, toasting that the house sold celebrating that it's a done deal. Right. <laughs> yeah, you don't want the subconscious having any of those doubts because it would be wondering things like that, whether I'm conscious of it or not. Believe me, I've <laughs> done that the hard way. <laughs> yes. But celebrating is a key thing, and you know, there's not enough celebration in our lives. Yeah. Really, yeah. It's, it's something often we forget. 
we develop these success formulas, do this, do that, do the other thing, and then you'll achieve your goal. Take a moment to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you know, carrying that feeling, um, you know, there's a, a, a friend of mine who, anytime I see her, she's like, kind of got a smile on her face. She's, um, you know, like walking along smiling, smiling, and you wonder what, what she's thinking about. Right. But, you know, when you get to talking about it, she just, she thinks, I mean, she would say something like, oh, I was just thinking about this this project I'm involved in and how great it's going to be mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. when it, it turns out the way we have it planned. It's going to be so fun. I mean, she's, mm-hmm. she's walking around yeah. carrying that celebratory feeling with yeah. her, which makes her, by the way, a really contagious uh, yeah. project manager who spreads enthusiasm wherever she goes because not only is she thinking it, she's feeling it. And so we've talked about the mirror neuron network before. So other people are actually picking right. up on that feeling. Right. Well, it sounds like she's living in a thriving culture right. inside herself. Yeah. yeah. And of course, as we know, cultures grow things. <laughs> so she's living yeah. in a thriving culture and she's in joy, happiness, optimism. That's what she's growing. And other people, of course, will be infected by that. And who doesn't want to be infected by joy? <laughs> right. Stay away from me. You're contagious. <laughs> I don't want to be happy. <laughs> Which, yeah, there's been times when uh, maybe we've all been that way at a certain point. But, yeah, so this this is a, a really exciting piece. And, and I, I guess what we're talking about, too, is that as a leader, she is carrying that vision with her. She sees that as part of her role. Right. To really not only cast a vision, mm-hmm. but to continue to live in that vision mm-hmm. and spread that to her people on the things she's working on. Right. And, you know, one of the more fascinating parts of this module in our, our course, to me, is the whole uh, distinction we make between good leaders and great leaders. And how yeah, we describe yeah. the thriving leader as uh, someone who can alternate between both. Uh, the great leader is the charismatic, take charge, do it all kind of personality, the Steve Jobs yeah. know, kind of person. The good leader is the team builder. They're the one who is more concerned about other people than themselves. So the thriving leader combines both of them. And it's a real skill to be able to alternate back and forth so that you're, you're brilliant when you need to be. And then you shine the light on others to reveal their brilliance when it's their turn. Yeah, we often talk about that as, as facilitating the genius yeah. of, of of our team. But I love that what you're talking about. It's it's the best. It's the best of both worlds. That and the ability to know when to shine and when to shine the light on others. Yeah. And and that's uh, you know that in and of itself is 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 rare, and we hope becomes less rare as people start to practice this. Well, exactly. And we, most of us, I mean, I venture to say all of us, we work with other people. We're on teams, even if it's just our family. There's a team. So how do we share the wealth, share the focus, and develop each other's genius and move forward as a team? That's that's the question thriving leaders answer with their behavior. Because it's one thing to have a vision, set your sights, head off over the hills but then of course adversity sets in and you need to course correct right how do you course correct you were at a conference i was presenting at last year and you may remember i was moderating a panel right right. it was the conclusion of a you know two-day 
seminar with 350 people there and I was up there with the panelists and I laid out the plan which we democratically agreed on and we began and one of the panelists said well uh, I was wondering if we could do something completely different <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you remember that moment? yes I do so then I was challenged with well what do I do here do I say well no we we voted already we're doing this or say well good let's do that and I did something instinctively, which I think is worth mentioning for our listeners. I asked everybody else. I, I yeah, asked yeah. a question. <laughs> I didn't presume to know on my own. This is another quality of the thriving leader, especially faced with a possible course correction. They don't assume, assume that they need to know all by themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you kind of polling not only the panel, but you asked the audience the as audience, well. Sure. And they, they seemed to be very up for the suggestion. Well, so. they did. And so we went with that and it turned out really well. Yeah. People commended me afterwards. And I said, well, you know, really all I did was just give us a chance to course correct together. Really, all I did was take the heat off myself. <laughs> yeah. In a sense, that's right. Because, no, but, I, but appropriately so. Yeah. I mean, if I had just made the decision myself, then I would have taken the blame if it uh, you know, didn't go so well. And this way you were able to share the credit with, with everybody yeah. well you know this whole genius of course correction is it is that interesting intersection between um, you know assessment and vision so if we only lived in the vision we wouldn't course correct because we probably wouldn't keep coming back and this gets into this next step a process that uh, is referred to and you introduced this to me actually pendulation right this this thing of you know living in the vision but regularly coming back to the current situation really assessing it and feeling into the current situation as well right yes and there's there's so many different levels to this um, I think the the one of primary fundamental value is the feeling of empowerment that I am actually in charge of what's going on that I can proactively alternate where I put my attention I'm not just lost in optimism, and I'm not getting bogged down in the details. There's, you know, a feeling when you take some kind of action, like I can move my leg. Right. A simple little thing. There's a kind of a confidence that grows because I know that I you know, get the idea, uh, I'd like to move my leg, and I move my leg. It seems kind of silly, but pendulation is making a decision to shift gears, to go in one direction versus the other direction you've been going in. So there's something you say in the online course that for me, I, it stuck with me because it's such an easy reminder of that process. And it, it was this, that, you know, when I'm thinking about the vision and I'm living in that, I'm really in a state of intention. Yes. And when I'm moving back into the current reality, pendulating back into current you know, present time, I'm putting my attention on what's actually going on. So I'm, yeah. I'm alternating, as yes. you said, purposefully between intention and attention. Yeah, and if we remember swinging as kids, right, we always like right. to really pump our legs and get someone pushing us. So we, we, the swinging was more and more radical. Forward right. and back, that feeling in your gut when you're doing that? <laughs> we were watching some kids do that the other day in the park, and I actually was thinking about this yeah. whole pendulation thing because as they would as they got their arc up high enough, you know, that there's the the chain actually goes a little bit yeah. slack. Yeah, right. And that was the big thrill is that yeah. you then you know, <laughs> hit the chain when it came right. down. And sometimes at that moment you can jump. <laughs> right. Just thrilling or devastating. <laughs> so so this whole idea of, of swinging, of of 
of getting a clear vision, of feeling it, of, mm-hmm. of actually seeing the success as if it's, it's already happened, mm-hmm. then swinging back and, and being present in this moment mm-hmm. and paying attention to what's going on so that we can make course corrections if needed or yeah. pick up additional information yeah. that's actually going to help us, as you said, certainly head towards the goal, but but allow the feeling of the goal to to be the, the the gauge i i may have mentioned this in an earlier program but talking with a client who had their their eyes set on a very specific way that they were going to have a success in their field and we started talking about it and i said well what if you loosen up on that a little bit let yeah. that be representational right, right. And, it's, and get real clear about why that's important to you. What's the feeling you're going to get? What's the value yeah. you're fulfilling? Yeah. Yeah. And as you move along now, don't get so fixed on that specific way that it's going to be realized. Maybe that just got you headed in the right direction so you could see this other one over here. Mm-hmm. That's even more fulfilling. That's even better for what you're trying to accomplish. That, that is such sound advice because what happens if your goal uh, doesn't materialize? Let's say your goal is to retire at 40 with 10 million bucks. You're there at your 40th birthday and you're broke. (laughs) Is your life a failure? I mean, I I was talking with a friend the other day who said he lost seven friends, I think it was, to suicide in the last financial downturn. Yeah, yeah. Now, clearly, their goals related to a certain amount of money. Yeah. And when they no no longer had the money, literally, life was no longer worth living for them. Isn't that amazing? That's that is that's uh, it's it's as, as I think about that too. As I, I was there at that breakfast when mm-hmm. that conversation was taking place, and it, it again, this comes right back to what we're saying. If I identify with the feeling, mm-hmm. that's something I can always create. Yeah. Versus identifying with a very specific outcome, which is ephemeral. It may or may not happen the way I have specifically visualized, and this is. This is an interesting departure from some, pos- you know, kind of popular goal-setting methods. Right, positive thinking and so forth. Yeah, which have you get very specific about the goal and pursue it as if the goal is sacrosanct, as if the specifics of the goal are sacrosanct. And yeah. it can end up really getting us frustrated or disappointed or, you know, lose hope in situations where things don't turn out the way we thought they would. Well, it can be deadly. Well, in these cases, yes. It was deadly. I mean, I'll use a fairly tender um, example from my own life recently. My wife and I just lost our cat. We live in the woods. Yeah. He was snatched by a cougar. That's so cat sad. we had for 16 years, and, you know, we don't have children, so this was like our child. Yeah. Well, the grief that we have felt and continue to feel is, you know, there's no words to really describe. And listeners who've lost a loved one and... You know, sometimes our pets are closer to us than people. Yeah, so it's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know what it feels like. Well, because I understand this principle of pendulation, I was able to go deeply into my grief, so deep I couldn't believe how how much it hurt. Mm. Because in the back of my mind, I knew that I was swinging. Right, right. And I would swing out of this, and I was in no hurry to get out of it. I didn't think. If I really allow myself to grieve, I may never stop grieving, which is something I used to think. Back when I was more shut down emotionally, mm-hmm. I'd be afraid to really feel too much dark stuff because it'd be like, wow, if I really let this in, I, 
Am I ever going to come out of it? Now I know that I will always be able to swing out. So here I am grieving so deeply for our, our lost uh, cat. And then moments later, pendulating out to a feeling of joy that this elderly cat was released probably pretty quickly. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so, you know, the net result is something good. Yeah, you know, it's 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 uh, interesting as you describe that because I think one of the other things that becomes so important at times like that, uh, whether it be about something like you were talking about or just the disappointment of, of something in life, is that's where our friends and our cohorts, so to speak, are, can really be helpful is, is both to give us permission and, and, you know, to, to grieve or to feel disappointed or whatever that might be, but also to be there so we know that if we do feel stuck, we can get somebody to give us a push on the swing. Yeah. You know, and like a little kid, when, they're, when they first get started, they can't, they can't get out of that, yeah. uh, you know, kind of limbo place without somebody giving them a shove. And so yeah, that's sometimes a good image we need for that. It. Yeah. That's a good image for it. Just need someone to give me a little shove. Yeah. It's worth remembering. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's... And it's not a sign of weakness, by the way. Well, no. I, I mean, I think we're, we're human, first of all. So yeah. allowing ourselves to be fully human and feel the full range of emotions mm-hmm. is, is part of what humanity is all about. And, and as I think people know, if I try to limit one emotion, I'm basically putting a governor on the whole system. Mm-hmm. So I won't feel as much joy. I won't feel as much, you know, exhilaration because I'm, I'm, I've got a governor. Well, and this doesn't just relate to ourselves, but it relates to our relationships and how we communicate our visions to other people. Because one thing a thriving leader does effectively is engages other people in their vision. So how do we do that? Well, we don't do it by presenting a vision all wrapped up, neat and tidy, and expect them to engage with it. <laughs> it's not, not how we do it. We offer something that we're excited about and then listen for their feedback. Well, yeah, you know, uh, we've talked about this before. I had the wonderful chance to work uh, alongside Toyota for about five years. And they've, as part of their culture, as part of the Toyota way, they have that really built in. That the leader, they may have a vision in mind, they may have a sense of direction, but they go out and they get the input and they start talking about it. They start fielding the vision right. and the idea with people and, and allow people to season it and to yeah. mold it and yeah. to give them more information so that by time, the time the vision actually gets yeah. laid out there for everybody, it's everybody's vision. Right. And again, just to repeat something we mentioned a few minutes ago, when I am feeling the result... Right. I'm not anxious about convincing anybody else. I'm not hung up on the mechanics of the vision. I'm already there. People feel that. Well, and then there's an openness for them to contribute. And if and if I can be enthused about their contribution because I'm seeing it as more information that's going to help us get to where I know we're already getting to. Uh, yeah, you're right. It, it's a completely different feeling that we're able to share. Yeah, because we're not hung up on the structure of it. I, I have this ongoing challenge with my wife who sees things completely differently than I do. I'm very uh, visionary and I'm out there with these big imaginative ideas. She's very grounded and practical. 
So I'll share a vision with her at my peril <laughs> because I know what's going to happen. She's going to immediately apply her very pragmatic lens and say, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Now, early on in our marriage, I would feel resentment that she was raining on my parade. <laughs> well, now I'm hungry for that feedback and some of my best work has been a result of her engaging with my vision, not as a yes person, oh, I think everything you just said is wonderful, dear. <laughs> right. How can I support you? <laughs> but engaging as, a, as an active participant, exploring what might be working, what might, what might not work, and giving her view on it. Then she's engaged. Engaged means being personally engaged, not just, oh, I'm engaged in your vision. It's making it your own. That's true, and and I, I, she's your perfect pendulation partner, right? <laughs> exactly. She accurately it assesses be in the, the current situation. <laughs> we we promise to pendulate together. <laughs> well, we've we've covered some some good territory. There's more to cover um, in the coming week. Here, what we'll do next week is really get into um, an idea that I think is is great of how to connect the feeling of your compelling vision to the actions you engage in each day and something that I don't think I'd ever heard of either until I met you and that was something called the law of precession. Yes, Buckminster Fuller's famous law. Yeah, we'll describe that next week. Again, I can't believe how fast the time goes here, Chris. Well, so share your stories and ideas with us at thrivinginbusinessandlife at gmail.com. I'm Christopher Harding. And I'm Will Wilkinson. We sure appreciate you joining us and we'll see you again next week.